talk about demons. That was in the reading today. And one of the things that is really kind of interesting is demons, in fact, are a major part of Yeshua's ministry. It's a big deal. In fact, if you look up demons with a computer, which I did, you'll find that demons are only mentioned four times in the Old Testament. Two in the Torah, one in the Psalms, but it's like 70 times in the New Testament. So it's a big deal. Demons cause a lot of suffering, and they lead us into temptation, shall we say. Now, one of the problems that we have today is that Satan and demons are hidden in plain sight. In other words, our society has ceased to give credit or blame to supernatural things for the stuff that goes wrong. And that, by the way, includes our churches. How would I describe this? Lots of churches are very sophisticated. They regard the idea of demons as something primitive and superstitious. And we're much more advanced now. So what we do is we treat the things that are caused by demons as if they are medical problems. Don't get me wrong, sometimes they are medical problems, and figuring out whether you've got a demon or a medical problem requires discernment. So Yeshua, for example, when he deals with people, heals somebody who's blind. In one case, he got a spirit that's causing a guy to be blind and mute, and he casts out the spirit. Another time, he's got somebody who's blind, and he heals him. Doesn't cast out a spirit at all. So I'm not suggesting that every time something goes wrong, you got a demon. That's not what I'm saying. Yeshua didn't treat it that way. But what Yeshua was able to do is he was able to look at a situation and a problem and say, aha, that's a demon, need to cast that sucker out. And once the demon comes out, then the medical problem, if you will, was cured. But sometimes it's just a straight medical problem, you know, the withered arm or something like that, and just, oh, you be healed. And... It was here. So demons cause a lot of problems, and they especially are running rampant in our society right now because most of our society regards the idea of demons as primitive and superstitious. I will suggest, by the way, that we're probably being governed by demons right now, and I'm very serious about that. So let me give you an analogy. Let's say somebody has stolen your car. So you got a car thief in there. And what a medical solution does is goes around and spray paints all the windows so he can't go anywhere. You still got a thief in your car. You haven't dealt with the problem. What you need to do is you need to get the thief out of the car, not run around and spray paint all the windows so that the thief can't drive your car off. In our churches today, the doctrine of all the churches recognizes the fact that there are demons. But in fact, many of them don't do anything with that doctrine and it's sort of one of those yeah that was then and things are different now so for example you have churches who as a matter of doctrine believe that the gifts of the spirit were for then and not for now called dispensationalism which is to say God deals with different people at different times according to a different set of rules 
That's what dispensationalism is. So what they do is, whenever something is a problem, they immediately turn to medicine instead of turning to discernment. And as I say, sometimes medicine is the appropriate thing. But most of the time, I will suggest it's probably not. So, what does scripture say about demons? And it doesn't say a lot of stuff. So, whenever we talk about demons, I get all of these questions. What are they? Where did they come from? Who are they? And scripture is silent. So, any of those kinds of things are purely speculation. But scripture does say some things that are easier to discern. So, first off, they are alive, they are aware, and they are intelligent. And you can see that in scripture from the demonic on the other side of the lake. And when Yeshua comes up to this guy and he's, you know, in the catacombs or the tombs and he's running amok, Yeshua enters into a conversation with these demons and they talk to him back and forth. They say, wait a minute, son of God, are you going to throw us out before the time? Are you here to torment us? And he says, yeah, I'm going to get rid of you. Well, how about if we go into the pigs? Well, okay, go into the pigs. So there's an intelligent conversation going on between Yeshua and these spiritual beings. So that we can infer then that they're intelligent. We can infer that they're alive. We can infer that they have an agenda of their own. The second thing we can know about them is they're malicious. They really don't want to do us any good. Now, there's a medical thing and I'm going to talk about germs and viruses for a minute. One of the things about a medical infection is if the medical infection always kills the host, the disease itself will eventually die out. Because what it does is it runs out of people to infect. So there are diseases that don't ever go anywhere. Now, some of them do. I mean, if it kills you slowly, you may be able to pass it on before you actually die. But a disease that kills you quickly, basically the disease itself dies. Demons don't seem to have that problem. First off, they have a tremendous supply of people to work with. So if you killed one of them, go on and get another one. So they are able to do great damage without worrying that they're going to be out of a host. And so they do. They seem to be territorial, or at least some of them are. A couple of examples there. Deuteronomy 13. If you get a city that has gone over into idol worship, what the instructions are is you figure out if that's true, you go investigate, and if it is true, what you do is you kill everything that breathes in the city first, Second thing you do is you pile up everything that belonged to the people in that city and you burn it. And then the third thing you do is you plow the thing down and destroy it all. And furthermore, you do not ever rebuild that city. What I infer from that is that piece of ground has got something there that's associated with it and you don't want to be on that piece of ground ever. Another example, Daniel. When Daniel is praying and Gabriel comes to answer his prayer and he says, "Uh, yeah, when you started praying, I started out, but the prince of Persia resisted me for, I think, three weeks. 
And it took Michael to come along and give me a hand to burn through that and get here to answer your prayer. So it appears that demons are territorial. And one of the things that happens in Scripture in previous times is when people moved into a new area, the first thing that they would do is find the people who live in that area and say, okay, who are your local gods and how do they like to be worshipped? Because we're moving here and we want things to go well with us, so tell us what the spiritual landscape is so we can get in tune with that. And what does Moses say through God as you are about to enter the land of Canaan? Don't do that. Do not ask the natives how they worship. Do not ask the natives who the local gods are. Do not try and figure out what the local spiritual regime is. Don't do it. Instead, worship me, give me honor, I will be with you and I will help you get rid of those territorial spirits. So that's the third thing we know about them. And then the other thing we know about them is that they cause some physical illnesses. Now I've already talked about the blind and mute guy who has a demon cast out, so he is blind, he can't see, plus he can't speak. You know, not, not, not being able to speak, maybe mechanical, but the eyes are certainly medical. You also have the case where there's a woman who comes into the synagogue on a Sabbath and she is bent over like this and she cannot straighten herself up. Yeshua looks at her and says, ha, you have an unclean spirit. He casts the unclean spirit out. The woman stands up straight and gives glory to God. And of course the Pharisees freak, but the point is demons can cause physical illness. This is genealogy now. I am a firm believer that your mind and your spirit control what happens in your body. So if you have an interference there by bad information, which is to say a demon, it will cause physical infirmities. That's the whole purpose, by the way, of prayer, healing people. What you're doing is you are taking the bad information and you are getting rid of it, not necessarily a demon, don't get me wrong. Praying for healing does not always involve demons. But when you pray for somebody to be healed, what you're doing is you're speaking to their mind and their spirit with the understanding that once you get that squared away, the body will follow. So, the fourth thing we know about demons is they do cause some physical illnesses. Now, you can make two mistakes with dealing with demons. One is you can ignore them. You can proceed with your life as if they do not exist. That's a mistake. That's an error. They do exist and they are active and they are something that needs to be dealt with. The other mistake you can make is to attribute everything that ever goes wrong to a demon. That's not good either. Because a whole lot of our problems are caused by us. And things go wrong that have nothing to do with spiritual influences. So the difference between those two is a matter of discernment. And interestingly, in Scripture, Paul, in Corinthians, 
tells us that one of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of discerning spirits. And that, by the way, is in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. And there the idea is when you've got some kind of a problem, it is a gift of God that you be able to look at that problem just the way Yeshua did and say, that guy needs some eye salve or something like that. There's a medical problem here. Let's get the medical problem fixed. Or you can look at it and say, we got a demon here and we need to do some casting out. That's a question of spiritual discernment. Furthermore, in spiritual discernment, one of the things that's important is to figure out what the demon is, if you have a demon. Problem number one is, do we have one? And then problem number two is, what is it? Because what they do is they tend to work in teams, and they tend to cover for each other. So let's say that you have a rampant spirit of pride. What you may also have is a spirit of anger that masks and defends the spirit of pride. So when anybody comes and says, wait a minute, you can't do that, the anger flashes up and you have an angry reaction, which is a spirit, which is covering for pride. So the discerning of spirits is, what is our actual problem here? That's part of the gift of the discerning of spirits. And Yeshua didn't have the problems that we have with poor communication with God and he was able instantly to figure out what the spiritual problem is when it was a spiritual problem and deal with it directly. What we have to do is pray for the gift of the discerning of spirits when you're dealing with problems and see A, is there a spiritual problem here and then B, what is the actual spirit that we're dealing with. So, how do you get a demon? That's of interest to some people. The first way you can get one is by a lack of a good defense. One of the examples in scripture is the guy with the epileptic kid. And by the way, it's in all three synoptic gospels. The translation in one calls it epilepsy. The other two call it an unclean spirit. Again, this goes back to is it a medical problem or is it a spiritual problem? But anyway, this kid has epilepsy. We use that as the description of his condition. He foams at the mouth. He falls over. You know, when he falls down, he falls into the fire and all those kinds of things. Yeshua asks him, how long has this been going on? And the father says, oh, ever since he was a child. So this kid has somewhere picked up this unclean spirit and he has gotten it because as a child he has no defense. He can't defend himself. So if he is exposed to a spirit through the family, through playing with other kids, whatever, because he is a child, he has no defense. And, oh, by the way, if you believe that demons are superstitious nonsense, you don't have any defense either. So the first way you can get them is lack of a good defense. In other words, lack of awareness, lack of being able to figure out what you're dealing with. The second way you can get them is through temptation. That happens to all of us. And everybody's tempted by different things. We in our humanness tends to look down on somebody else's temptation as being really disgusting. And our temptation as being, it's not a big deal. Everybody 
suffers from temptation. We all have different temptations. And what an unclean spirit will do is come alongside you and explain to you in great detail why your temptation is really not that bad and will help you to satisfy it. And what you've done is you've invited a demon in to you. Remember we said that they're intelligent. We said that they're articulate. So what a demon is very good at doing is seeing what your particular temptation is and coming along and giving you really plausible arguments why it's okay. It's okay this time. You'll get it fixed next time. Oh, don't worry about it right now. It'll be okay. Ooh, you can do this. You can get away with this. And what happens is you get to listening to that demon and that demon becomes a familiar spirit. One of the ones that I had, I've told this story lots of times, is when I first got into this, I had a real problem with resentment. And I would be out taking a walk, and all of a sudden I would just be in a blind rage. Where does that come from? Oh, I was resentful about something. And this demon knew that that was a problem I had, so this demon, thought I was not paying any attention, would come along and sort of poke me. You can let him treat you that way. Are you going to let them do that to you? And I finally figured out what it was. And every time I would start, I would say, yeah, all right, take a hike. I'm not going to play today. And eventually it quit trying, and it's gone. But it takes a while. So temptation is a big way we get it. And, of course, we're tempted by wealth, sex, power, and knowledge. One of the things a demon can do is tell you things that you have no way of finding out any other way. That's very tempting, to be able to find out stuff that nobody else knows. And of course, power is very tempting, which is, by the way, why I think <laughs> Washington may be demon-infested. Pretty sure it is. And then the other way you can get a demon is through curiosity. That's the way a lot of people get into drugs. They're curious. What's it like? Well, I can do this just once. It won't be any big deal. So drugs, any intoxicant becomes a matter of curiosity. Same thing with the occult. Anybody ever heard of a Ouija board? That's big among kids and teenagers. They're curious. And they play with this stuff out of curiosity, and what winds up happening is they wind up picking up Travelers that, if they were to think about it, they wouldn't want. The other thing is, being good is boring. There's an old musical called The Fantastics. Longest-running musical off-Broadway. It ran for 40 years. But there's a song in there, Naive Young Girl, and she's romantic. It's, it's sort of like there's a song in Camelot, and Guinevere says, well, I mean, couldn't I just start a little war? In other words, wouldn't somebody fight over me? And what the gal in the Fantastic says is, I'd like to be just a little worldly wise. Which is to say, I want to dabble in this stuff, but I don't want to go so far that I'm going to become a slut. In other words, just being good and ordinary is really kind of boring. And I want something more. Don't let me be ordinary. And 
not being ordinary often involves doing things that you shouldn't do. So those are some of the ways we get a demon. Why do we care today? Scripture, 1 Timothy 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, we in latter times from Timothy? I think so. In the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. That's why we care about this. Because this is people in the church, right? Timothy's a pastor. And he says what's going to happen is in the latter days, people in the church are going to devote themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. Remember I told you demons are articulate. They're smart. They're really good debaters. So if you have a demon that's working on you or working in your church, you can expect the attack to be pretty sophisticated because they are not stupid. They're evil, but they're not stupid. So first thing is that's why we care about it. The second one, I'm going to take you to Revelation 18. Revelation 18, verse 2. Fallen, fallen, is Babylon the great. She has become the dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. So what is being said there is these demons are able to give or let you acquire power, wealth, sex. And so the people of the world love the city where these demons are congregating. Can you say... Corinth? Can you say San Francisco? Can you say New York? Can you say Washington? Can you say London? Can you say Beijing? Denver? The point is, these things get a hold in a city, and what they do is they confer great wealth, great power, sexual favors, so people love them. Lots of cities are that way. So, verse 3 again. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. So one of the things that is being said is if you have got a city like that in your neighborhood, you want to get out of there. Two reasons. One, of course, is the reason listed here is God is at some point going to deal with it, and you don't want to be caught in the blast radius. But the other part of that is when you live among that stuff, it becomes natural normal, no big deal. Everybody else is doing it. That becomes your attitude. That's what happened a lot in Sodom. Lot knew the place was wicked. 
It said at the beginning that Sodom was a wicked city and Lot chose it. It isn't the case that he went down there and said, Oh, Shazam! This is a wicked city. I didn't know that. I would have chosen somewhere else. That's not the way the scripture reads. He chose it. And he chose it because of wealth. Because the pasture and the water and all that kind of stuff was really good down there. It was a really good place for his flocks and herds. And one of the problems he had is there was not enough pasturage for his stuff and Abraham's stuff to be together. So what he chose is a city full of demons because of wealth. And in fact, when the angels come down and say, we're going to deliver you out of this place because of Abraham, he negotiates with them. Oh, no, 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 don't take me out. How about this little city here? Can I go there? That one isn't quite so bad. And then, of course, Mrs. Lot was even worse because what she did is she kept looking back and saying why are we leaving this place and of course she gets salted but you understand what's going on that's what's being talked about here in Revelation the other reason we care about this is because there are people out there that are hurting and they are hurting because of demons now we'll say this for the 32nd time this morning not everything is a demon problem, but a lot of them are. And one of the things that we care about is you can help because you have got authority. Let me give you a piece of scripture. Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And when Yeshua sent his disciples out, remember, he sent them out first the twelve, and then he sent out seventy-two of them. His instructions were, heal the sick, cast out demons. Those were the first two things he said to those guys as they were going out. Heal the sick, cast out demons. And that goes back to my thing that I've repeated now for the 33rd time. Sometimes it's sickness, sometimes it's demons. But you got authority over both. That's what the scripture says. You have authority over both. And Yeshua's name is the power switch. You're not acting in your own authority. What you're doing is you are acting as an agent of Yeshua. If you go out in your own authority and say, I'm a real hot shot, I can fix this, you're going to find that you can't. If you go out and say, I am an agent of Yeshua and the Most High God and I am here to cast you out then you can do it now the other thing of course is fear not because one of the things that happens when you encounter somebody who's got a demon is the demon is well defended and usually people who have demons in their heart of hearts don't really want to get rid of them because the demon confers something that that person wants. 
And if the demon is giving that person something he wants, the demon is there by invitation. Which means if you come along and say, get out of here, wait a minute, he invited me in. You have no authority over this house that I'm in. So demons are well defended. So someone has to come and want deliverance, want healing. And sometimes deliverance comes through a desire for healing. So someone may come and say, I have this problem and I want prayer. And through a gift of discernment, which you may determine is, ah, this is not a physical problem, this is a spiritual problem. But now you have an opening to pray. Final thing, do not automatically cast out demons. The reason for that is you may make the situation worse. I'll give you a piece of scripture for that. Luke 11:24. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So, if you have someone who is not a believer, who is not willing to become a believer, who is not willing to listen to the gospel, casting a spirit out of that person makes his situation worse than before you started. So in that situation, casting out a devil is the wrong thing to do. Now, the other thing that is interesting in that passage of Scripture the demon regards its host as a house, as a dwelling place. This is where I live. That's the demon's attitude. This is where I live. So I will defend my house, and if I get kicked out of my house, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to see if I can get back in. Sort of like when you've been evicted and you keep going back to your house and seeing if they've left the door open so you can get back in. That's what the demon does. So when you cast out a demon, what you need to do is replace it with the Holy Spirit. And at that point, the guy or the girl has an opportunity to defend himself against a return. Remember we started off this by saying the way people get demons is with poor defense or non-existent defense. That's what happens to children. That's what happens to people who don't believe and aren't paying attention to this. They aren't defending themselves and hence they are vulnerable. So if you cast a demon out of an unbeliever without replacing that demon with the Holy Spirit, then you have left that person defenseless. So, in closing... We care about them, demons, because they are a major part of Yeshua's ministry. They are a major part of the instructions he left for us. Deal with these things. Cast them out appropriately. So what I would pray for, and what I do pray for, by the way, when I'm praying for people, is I always pray for a spirit of discernment or the ability to discern between spirits. 
because that way I can pray accurately. And I can pray, oh, this is a physical problem, needs healing. This is a spiritual problem, needs deliverance or a combination. So as you go out, use your authority. But use your authority in a discerning way, and that requires a gift of the Spirit, which you have to pray for. Et ta